it is a joy for me to be here, and so I bring greetings on behalf of uh, Dr. Dub Oliver, our president at Union University, and I want to say thank you for your support uh, of Union. We appreciate the students you've sent uh, our way. We hope you'll continue to send students uh, our way. If you're a uh, prospective student, want to find out more about Union, I'd love to talk to you after our service, but uh, my task this morning is to preach God's Word, and it is a privilege for me to do that. I'm glad to fill in for my friend, your pastor, uh, Jacob. Jacob and I did doctoral work together. Uh, he was one of my favorite classmates uh, to have, and so I was so thrilled when he uh, came here to West Tennessee and became pastor here at First Baptist Huntington, and I'm grateful for his labors and his ministry among you. I'm sorry I have to be here uh, with this circumstance, with him being sick, but it is a privilege to be here nonetheless. If you have your Bible, let me invite you to turn with me to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, chapter 3. I want us to look together this morning at Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Galatians 3, verses 10 through 14. And I'm going to ask if you are able, once you find that, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word this morning? Let us hear the word of the Lord from Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. May God bless the reading and hearing of His Word. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, it was the largest gathering of humanity in our nation's history. Believe it or not, it was the largest non-religious gathering in the history of the world. Over five million people gathered together in celebration. And what was it this mass of humanity was celebrating, they were celebrating the breaking of a curse. They were celebrating the breaking of a curse. Over five million people celebrating the breaking of a curse. Now, what I'm referring to is the gathering in 2016 in Chicago after the Cubs finally won the World Series, and they broke the centuries-long curse. 
It was a scene of pure joy because what for so long had seemed impossible, like it was never going to happen, it finally happened. The lovable losers were losers no more. The Cubs had finally won. And I I realize that most of you are probably Cardinals fans in this room, but I'm a lifelong Cubs fan. Now, I hope you won't tune me out uh, already right here at the outset, but I just want to say as a longtime Cubs fan, that was a sweet experience to watch all of that unfold. Because after all the ridicule, all the shame, often from you Cardinals fans, uh, after all the futility and all the failure, after all the heartache and all the pain, finally, finally, it happened. The curse was finally broken, and we fans tasted the joy of that victory. But here's the thing. As fans, there was a lot that we could do about the curse. We could suffer under the curse, and believe me, we did. We could endure the pain and sorrow of the curse, and we did. We could grow weary and lose hope because of the curse, and many of us did. We could feel the crushing weight of the curse every year. But you know what we couldn't do about that curse? There was one thing that we couldn't do. We as fans couldn't break that curse. We didn't have that power. We didn't have that ability We had to depend on someone else to break it. We had to depend on the players to do that. We depended on the players on the field to actually break the curse. For us to taste and experience the joy of uh, of that victory and that celebration required the work of someone else. The pain, the futility, the suffering. As fans, we knew that experience all too well. But the actual breaking of the curse... That's something that we couldn't do. All we could do is sit back and watch. We had to trust others to do it for us. You see, as fans, we suffered under a curse that only someone else could break. And friends, that's the kind of situation that the Apostle Paul is describing for us here in Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. He's trying to help us see that our own efforts at keeping the law will never free us from the curse of sin. Because as sinners, we suffer under a curse that only someone else can break. I mean, that's really what this passage is about. If you want to boil down this passage to one main idea, that's it. So because that's the main point of this passage, that's going to be the main point of this sermon. So here's the sermon in a sentence. As sinners, we suffer under a curse that only Jesus can break. Let me say that again. As sinners, we suffer under a curse that only Jesus can break. We may know the pain of the curse, we may know the futility of the curse, we may know what it's like to suffer under the curse, but as sinners, we can't actually break the curse. So friends, I've got some bad news I need to share with you this morning. The bad news is, spiritually speaking, you are under a curse. And it's a curse that you can't break. 
And you've got no one to blame but yourself. You were under this curse because of your own disobedience, because you have broken the laws of God. But of course, you're not alone in this. This is not one of those curses that only one in you know, a million people get. This is a curse that everyone suffers under. This is a curse that is common to all humanity. Look again at verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Cursed be everyone. Everyone. Not not just those other people. Not just the people out there. Not just the immoral, irreligious people. Everyone. Including you and 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 and me. Everyone. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. You see, we are under the law of God because we're accountable to the law of God. We're responsible under that law because we've all been created by God and we're all therefore under His rule. And that means the law of God makes demands on us. And one of its demands is perfect obedience. You must abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them, verse 10 says. All things. Perfect obedience. Which means if you disobey, there's consequences. Cursed be everyone who disobeys, who breaks the law, who fails to keep all things written there. So children, have you disobeyed your parents? Have you mistreated your brother or your sister? then you've broken the law and you are under the curse. Teenagers, have you ever lied? Have you ever led someone astray? Have you ever had an impure thought? Have you ever had anger in your heart at someone? Have you ever been selfish and unloving? Then you have broken the law and you are under the curse. Adults, Have you chased after other gods, the gods of greed and power and status? Have you ever spoken harshly to your children? Have you failed to love others? Have you failed to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Then you have broken the law and you are under the curse. Brothers and sisters, there's no escaping it. There's no loophole. There's no way for us to hide from this. There's no denying it. None of us have maintained perfect obedience to God's law. None of us. We have all sinned. We've all been disobedient. We've all broken the law, which means we're all under this curse, which means we're all condemned before God. Because of our sin and because of the curse that it places us under, then we are left with nothing to hope before God except 
rejection. I mean, that's what it means to be cursed. It means to be rejected by God. He can't accept us. He can't look on us with favor because we've broken his laws and we stand condemned before him under the curse, deserving of punishment. Remember, what are we told in Revelation 22 about the new heaven and the new earth? Nothing accursed will be there. It's a place of eternal blessing. And therefore, anyone who is under the curse will be barred from there. And as sinners, we are under the curse. And worse, as sinners, we suffer under this curse that we can't break. Beginning to to see why this is such a problem? We can't free ourselves from this curse. It only spells doom and despair and judgment and condemnation. We've broken the law and now we've fallen under its curse, a curse that we can't break. But here's the thing. Ask most people why they have any hope that they will one day go to heaven when they die. Or ask them what they hope to say that will give them any kind of assurance that when they stand before God in judgment, He will accept them, that they will stand, be able to stand before Him. And what is the typical answer? The typical answer is, well, I'm, a, I mean, I'm a pretty good guy, I'm a pretty good gal, and you know, I, I, I'm not perfect, but I, mean, I do a lot of good things. That's the typical answer. In other words, They are relying on works of the law. They are relying on their own efforts. They're relying on their own obedience to the laws of God. But listen again to verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. You can't rely on works of the law because you can't keep the law. It's because of your inability to keep the law that you're under the curse in the first place. When you rely on works of the law, when you rely on your own obedience, your own efforts, what you're saying is, I think I can break the curse myself. I think I can do enough good to actually break this curse that I'm under. But here's the thing, you can't. You can't break this curse. So listen, if you think that's the road that leads to standing before God and being assured, then you need to recognize that that is a dead end. That is not where that road leads. Listen again to verse 11. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. No one. No one is made right with God by trying to keep the law. You'll never do enough good. You'll never obey enough to be made right with God. That is a useless attempt. And yet, that's what many people are hoping in. That's what many people are banking on. That they can do enough good that God would somehow let them stand righteous in His sight. But friends, if that's what you're trusting in, again, you are walking down a a dead-end street hoping that it's going to lead somewhere. But it is not leading where you think it will. It is only leading to death and hell. It leads to damnation, not salvation. Some of you need to realize 
the weight of this curse. Some of you need to be awakened to the reality of the curse. You, you need to realize the consequences of your sin and your disobedience and the fact that you're under a curse that you can't break. You need these verses from God's Word this morning to serve as a warning to you. Like a warning light to your soul. Don't dismiss them. Don't overlook them. Don't pretend like they're going to go away. Some of you need to hear this text and see this text and feel this text. So let me try to help you with that this morning. Because some of you, I realize, are likely sitting there thinking to yourself, okay, let me, let me get this straight. You're telling me that the law of God demands a life of perfect obedience to be made right before God. Yes. And you're saying that if I disobey at all, I'm cursed and condemned before God. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I know I've disobeyed. I, I'm not perfect. No one is. I've broken God's law. I don't deny that. I, I'm not suggesting otherwise. But you're saying that causes me to be under a curse? And that causes God to reject me? Yes. And it's a curse I can't break? Yes, that's exactly right. Preacher, if that's true, what are we supposed to do? How is there any hope for us? I mean, if, if that's the bad news, how can there ever be any good news? I mean, if I'm cursed and I can't free myself from that curse, then what is it you could possibly tell me that would sound like good news? Well, friend, what if I told you that there is a curse-breaking, curse-bearing Savior who has done for you what you cannot do for yourself? What if I told you there is a bloody cross on which your curse has been beaten and has been broken? What if I told you that God loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to rescue you and to redeem you, to break the curse for you and to free you from its condemnation? What if I told you that while you can't free yourself from the curse, there is one who can and his name is Jesus? What if I told you that Jesus has lived a perfect life of obedience. He has perfectly kept the law on your behalf. And what if I told you that not only he lived the life you should have lived, he then died the death you deserve to die? What if I told you that Jesus suffered all the pain, all the punishment, all the, the consequences and penalties of the curse in your place so that you might experience all the joys, all the benefits, all the blessings of his obedience? You say, well, that that sounds almost too good to be true. That, that sounds like good news. Now you know why we call it the gospel, the good news. Because it reveals to us that the curse of sin that we suffer under has indeed been broken by Jesus Christ. As sinners, we suffer under a curse that only Jesus can break. Look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus has redeemed us. He has rescued us. He has freed us and delivered us from the curse. He's broken the curse. How? 
by becoming a curse for us. He was cursed for us instead of us in our place, on our behalf. He suffered the penalty of our curse. He bore the consequences of the curse for us when he suffered and died on the cross. Look again at the last part of verse 13. When Paul quotes this Old Testament reference there, the end of verse 13, he quotes this reference from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, that says, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. You see, in the Old Testament, after someone was executed, after a criminal was executed, they were then hung on a tree as a sign that they were under the curse. That they were cursed, they were cut off, rejected by God. They were condemned by God. So the fact that Jesus died the way that he died, by being hung on a wooden cross, by being hung on a tree, revealed that he was cursed, that he was rejected. I mean, this is why the Jews had such a difficult time accepting Jesus as the Messiah, because the Messiah was supposed to be one who was blessed by God, not rejected by God. How could the blessed one be hanged on a tree? That's what happened to criminals. That's what happened to those who were cursed. You see their dilemma? You see why the cross is such a stumbling block to Jews? So what was going on? Why was the one who was supposed to be blessed hanging there like a cursed criminal? Well, look again at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse. Why? For us. For us. Those two little words are bursting with good news and hope and assurance for God's people. He was redeemed, or He redeemed us by becoming a curse for us. That's why He was cursed. That's why He's hanging on that tree. He was cursed for you and you and you and you and you. He was cursed in our place. He never sinned. He never broke the law. He lived a life of perfect obedience. Never once sinning. But guess what? You and I have. We have sinned. We have broken God's law. We have disobeyed. We were under the curse. And we deserve to suffer the full consequences of the curse. But thanks be to God, He was cursed for us. He was cursed in our place. He went to the cross to bear your curse and set you free. Your curse became His curse so that His blessings might become yours. So that the benefits of his perfect life and righteousness might be yours. Which means in Christ and in his cross, there is victory. There is deliverance. There is redemption. There is blessing. There is good reason for us to sing, thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for what you have done in bearing our curse so that we might experience your blessing. And look at verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, that the blessing promised all the way back in Genesis 12, 
that that blessing might come to the Gentiles. That's us. So that that blessing might come to us. How do we, who are outside of the covenant, strangers and aliens to the covenant, how do we get brought in on those blessings through Christ? Christ gave his, blood, gave his life and shed his blood that we might receive not the curse of the law, but the blessing that was promised to Abraham. And so that we might receive the promised spirit through The curse we deserve has been broken by Jesus on the cross and the blessing that we don't deserve has been given to us instead. And not only that, He has given us the gift of His Holy Spirit which has been promised to God's people. That has been given to us as well. What an exchange. Curse for blessing. Death for life. Condemnation for redemption. The emptiness of sin versus the indwelling of the Spirit. Oh, this really is good news for sinners like us. This really is good news that the curse we could not break has been broken for us by Jesus. He has suffered in our place so that we might be spared the curse and showered with blessing instead. Our sins, they really are many, but His mercy really is more. So the question then becomes, how does this happen? How does this happen for us? How how do we personally receive this blessing? How how do we receive the benefits of Christ's work on the cross, what what He has done? How is the Spirit given to us? How are the benefits of the broken curse made a reality for us in our lives? How do we come out from under the curse and start resting under the cross of Jesus Christ? And the answer from this text and all throughout the Bible is through faith. Look again at verses 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit. And how does all of this happen? Through faith. Through faith, through trusting, through believing in what Jesus has done for us and believing that he did it for us. So that when you read those two little words there in verse 13, for us, you actually believe that that means for you. You are trusting, you are putting all your hope, all your confidence in the fact that he has done that for you. It is believing that Jesus suffered and died on the cross for you so that your curse would be broken. It's by believing that Jesus' death was enough to satisfy the demands of the law and enough to break the curse of sin. You see, faith takes hold of the redemption that Jesus has purchased for us. Faith takes hold. Faith is what actually takes that and says, I receive it. I will make it mine. It says, I'm no longer going to live under the curse of sin. I'm going to live under the freedom of the cross of Jesus Christ. As sinners, we suffer under a curse that only Jesus can break. So let me ask you, what are you relying on? What are you trusting in to be free from the curse? 
What are you hoping in? Works of the law or faith in Christ? Your good works or the work of Christ on your behalf? Look again at verses 11 and 12. Now it is evident, it's clear, that no mistaking, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. What Paul is doing in those two verses is he's trying to help us see that we've got two options. There are two ways to try to live. But only one of them actually leads to life. One of them leads to continuing to live under the curse and the other one leads to life and blessing. And the only way To find life and blessing is the life of faith. If you want to live according to the law, that means you've got to keep the law perfectly. And we've already seen that that's not possible. So you can keep trusting in your works or you can trust in the work of Christ on your behalf. But Paul says that's it. Those are your only options. The righteous, that is those who will be made right before God, who will be accepted by God, are those who look to Christ in faith. And this passage makes it crystal clear that that means it is faith in Christ crucified. Christ cursed on the cross on your behalf. So friends, you don't have to live under the curse of sin. You don't have to suffer under its consequences. It's true that you can't break the curse yourself, but there is one who can and he has. Jesus Christ has suffered the consequences of the curse for you. He has broken the curse. He has freed you. And now he offers his blessing to you instead. He offers his abiding presence through his spirit. So will you by faith receive that? I pray right now if you feel the weight of being under this curse and you know you have tried on your own effort and it has not worked, I pray you will look to Christ in faith right now, right where you are. And call out to him to save you, to free you, to break the curse for you. And you might experience the joy and freedom that is found in resting in him and his cross. And then for those of us who have already been freed from the curse and by faith are already resting in Christ, you know what's helpful and appropriate for us to do on a regular basis? To remember what Christ has done for us. To to relive it. To celebrate it all over again. To just think on and dwell on what Christ has done on our behalf. I mean, as a Cubs fan, do you know what I do every time I see a replay of the last out of that World Series? When I see Chris Bryant pick up that ball and throw it across the field to Anthony Rizzo, I relive the joy all over again. I relive it all over again. And do you realize, Christians, that's what we have the privilege of doing every week when we gather for worship. We get to replay our redemption. We get to relive the joy of what Christ has done for us. We get to relive 
the fact that Christ has set us free from the curse. We get to relive the fact that when we walk out of here, we don't have to walk out of here feeling the weight and burden of the curse because it has been lifted from us due to Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, let's do that. Let's thank Christ again for what he's done for us. Let's celebrate this morning as we sing. Let's celebrate that the curse has lost its grip on us because we have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. As sinners, we suffer under a curse that only Jesus can break. And praise God, he has. Let's pray together. Oh God, we give you thanks that in your love you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we failed to live and to die the death that we deserve to die. And we thank you that in doing so, he has broken the curse. He has freed us from the curse of sin and death. So Lord, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for his blood. We thank you that he's been raised from the dead and he now sits at your right hand, reigning over all things. We thank you that he has sent his spirit to dwell with us, that assures us that we are your sons and daughters, no longer accursed, but living in the blessing that has been won for us by Christ. So might those of us who know that blessing sing of it and celebrate it now. And Lord, those who don't, may they leave here knowing it today. May they turn from their sin and turn in faith. To Jesus Christ. For this we pray in Jesus' name.